you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, not Adam Black, the first Adam. <laughs> so also in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits after that, those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death, for he has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put in subjection, it is evident that he is expected who put all things in subjection to him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself also will be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him, so that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why then are they baptized for them? All right. So, he said it. The phrase that really bothers him, especially for me, because there are so many different ways to read it. So, we'll start with the question for this room of Protestant believers. Does the act of getting baptized save you or really contribute to your salvation at all? Yes or no? No, okay. So, whatever Paul is talking about, we can go ahead and understand that he is not talking about a practice that he endorses where people get baptized for someone who's an unbeliever who died as an unbeliever. We can go ahead and just throw that out. Pretty good rule to have, okay? The only thing that a baptism will do for you um, if you're doing it for the purpose of trying to be saved, is it will keep you the opposite of dry. It's not going to do anything much other than that. So, before we attempt to nail down what he means by baptism, we'll look at what was going on at the Church of Corinth. First off, their gatherings weren't in order. There was habitual drunkenness, sexual sin, and lots of bickering between beaver, believers. Beavers, I said that Gosh, I said it when I was practicing and then made a whole joke with my wife, and now I said it out loud. That's great. And so-called Christians. So there's a lot going on, a lot of drama, a lot of false beliefs, too. Um, a very common view, though, of these people, these were uh, Greco-Roman people, mainly coming from you know pagan backgrounds. Paul was mainly speaking to non-Jews. Um, a lot of them kind of uh, really ridiculed the Christians at the time because they believed in the resurrection, and a lot of people at that time, the, the first century, the Greco-Roman kind of people, they tended to view the body as just unredeemable and just not anything compared to the ethereal, uh, I don't know, mystery of the spiritual, non-material world. So the idea that you would be risen again from the dead, like why? Like that's a physical body, gross, you know? Um, so the only people really that were pushing this idea at this time were the people who would cut off a small portion of a baby boy's body at eight days old, and they also were a group of people that could not have 
a ham sandwich because they kept certain laws and had certain views and restrictions. So, In 1 Corinthians one twenty three, Paul you know, further clarifies this point. He says, but we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. That is uh, 1 Corinthians one twenty three. So regardless of what Paul means by this pesky phrase, baptism for the dead, his whole point in bringing it up is to argue that there are most definitely going to be a day, I don't know if it's multiple days, one day, years, but there's going to be a time where the dead are raised. Um, There's lots of different views on what that actually looks like, but what Paul is arguing for sure is that the dead will be raised. There will be a bodily resurrection. What the body looks like, I don't know. Will I actually get to be the height of a a full-grown man? Maybe. We'll wait and see. Um, So he's making this point, like, there is a bodily resurrection because some people are starting to doubt that, and that's part of the wacky views people are having. So he's using this practice, he's bringing it up to clarify and affirm his position that there is going to be a bodily resurrection. Now, as specifically what he means, there are 40 different views, and I actually, um, the guy has a similar name. His name's James E. Patrick. He's a scholar. Um, My name is Jace Patrick Sims, so I thought maybe I could do a little finagling and plagiarize it, but it's a really good journal. It's called uh, Living Rewards for Dead Apostles. Baptized for the Dead in 1 Corinthians 15.29. I highly recommend it. I have a copy of it here. If you want to get a PDF of it, it's free. You just have to give them your email and sign up for their newsletter. That's like their barrier of entry. It's it's pretty good stuff. Um, And it it goes through some of these views. Um, Before I answer the very first question, though, that I originally asked, you may have forgot because I'm talking so much and so fast, but it's did the early Christians practice baptism for the dead? Now, what we need to do is figure out who this dead group are. Are they Christians? Are they non-Christians? The cool thing is um, we kind of already ruled that out because it's not going to save them. So why would you be getting baptized for someone who is dead who isn't a Christian? Just it doesn't make sense. So we can rule that one out. That's pretty cool to rule at least one of these out. There are also a lot of Christians that are mentioned who uh, in this same letter that Paul is writing who witnessed the resurrected Christ, 500. Um, so they could have been talking about them, maybe, and I'll show you why in a second. Um, let's see here. There is also another view, jumping around here, that it could be a spiritual picture because Paul doesn't exclusively use the term uh, baptism to mean water baptism. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, this very same letter, he says, For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Again, this is 1 Corinthians 12, 13. The problem with this view is the surrounding context. It's pretty clear that Paul is defending the physical resurrection of the dead. So not without diving into deeper regions, I'm going to go ahead and scratch that view off of the list. It's one out of 40, and technically there's over 40, but we're making some progress, I guess. Not without skipping much-needed context and further explanation and study that I wish I had more time to present, we could look at the fact that a way the phrase, quote, for the dead or on behalf of the dead could be translated based on how it's structured in Greek. And that way that people are starting to talk about and 
I say start like it was just yesterday. It's been going on for years. But is possibly instead of on behalf of the dead or for the dead, in honor of the dead. And if you look at it like that, it, it definitely helps the view seem less problematic. Um, that's not the only reason why you would come to that view. It's because, like I said, the Greek can be structured that way. Um, I'm barely good at English, so I, I'm not going to try to explain that right now. But just trust me on it. I have this big document with a bibliography, and you can fact check me on it. These people have been devoting their lives to studying this. But it is very probable that by this time, a lot of witnesses of Christ were dead. But much like today, their testimonies are not. If we take this phrase for or on behalf of to mean honor of, then it might make sense to just assume Paul is simply referring to the fact that these early believers, after believing these testimonies of these now dead Christians, they just got baptized. Because it's very clear if you read the book of Acts that the early church, they're getting baptized as soon as they, they profess faith in Jesus. They're going right for it. So it wouldn't make sense. Another view would people would say is, well, what if it's uh, someone getting baptized for a Christian who died before they got a chance to be baptized? Well, you'd say, well, they're getting baptized as soon as they're professing faith. So they wouldn't have had, unless they are professing faith on their deathbed and then dying, that would be silly. And another way you can kind of debunk that is uh, Christ, when he's on the cross, he doesn't tell them, the man, the thief, who says, who professes faith, he doesn't say, it's a shame you can't get baptized, you're going to hell. That's not how it works. Um, so I think this view is very neat and tidy. It also doesn't break the rule we've established, which is baptism is not for salvation. So that's pretty cool. So in short, my answer to the question actually is, did early Christians practice baptism for the dead? My answer is, yes, they did. It just doesn't mean what maybe the Mormons mean. That's, I'm, that's the, I'm not picking on them, but that's the only really analog I have because, I mean, there's not really any churches I can think of, any denominations that still practice this idea of getting baptized on behalf of someone. Um, so my answer is yes. But with a caveat, instead of for the dead, we should say in honor of the dead. Because whether you like it or not, if you believe the gospel, you are honoring those who came before you by doing an act that they themselves did and believing the words that they had to say. So basically, it's just yes. So I, I wish if he would have phrased it differently, I could have definitely said yes. If it was, did early Christians practice baptism in honor of the dead? So... I'm going to uh, tell you this guy's name. His name's James E. Patrick. Um, it's called Living Rewards for Dead Apostles, Baptized for the Dead in 1 Corinthians 15.29. And I originally heard it on episode, I believe it's 221. Of, it's called the Naked Bible Podcast. It's this gentleman, uh, uh, Dr. Michael Heiser. He recently passed away, unfortunately. But he has a vast amount of knowledge on, on the scripture, and he just, he basically is just plugging all these different scholars, um, and this was a document he mentioned, and I found it, like I said, you just have to sign up for the email. This kind of stuff is what helps me learn about, about this stuff, because I can't speak Greek, so I have to have a, a middle, middle, many, many, many middle men to go help me with it, so. With that being said, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Um, Hey, Father, thank you for giving us all these gizmos and gadgets to be able to learn 
of you, about you, um, and to be able to understand you better. Um, I ask that we can display you in our actions and our thoughts, and I ask that you give us a hunger to, to know you more and to be able to communicate who you are to people better. In Jesus' name, amen.